This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Good morning, everyone. As you know, and good morning to everyone online. Um, as you know, we're, we're going through Luke at the moment, and uh, we've already had two fabulous messages from Luke chapter 7. Um, Mark did a brilliant message on authority, looking at the centurion and the healing of his servant a couple of weeks back, and then Lydia did a fab message last week, thanks Lydia, on the raising of the dead son at Nain, and um, Jesus, um, Lydia mentioned about Jesus' compassion for us and the fact he sees us. So if you didn't catch those two messages, bit of a plug here, have a listen to those, they were fabulous. So um, I'm I'm given the job today to do the next section of um, Luke chapter 7, and it involves John the Baptist, okay, and it's rather a long passage, but I'm going to sort of wade through the whole thing and then sort of come back to it bit by bit, okay? So if you'd like to get your Bibles ready or your phones or whatever, we're in Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things. This is all the the things that just happened in the previous part of Luke. Of course, the raising of the widow's son and the centurion's servant and all the other things that were going on. So the disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When the people heard this, the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, 
To what then shall I compare this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified or proved right by all her children. Amen. Is this mic okay? Just sorry, I'm hearing a rustling. Is it worth me stopping? It's okay. All right, sorry. I just didn't want to go the whole sermon if I was making a sort of noise. Folks, um, I want to start at the end and move backwards, okay? But the first thing I've got to ask you is, do you remember Afghan coats? Did anyone ever wear an Afghan coat? No. Now, there's a reason, isn't there? For those of you that remember Afghan coats, they're made out of sheepskin or goatskin, and there was only one thing worse than the smell of an Afghan coat. Does anybody know what that is? It was a wet Afghan coat. I mean, you could literally smell the coat coming, you know, and I was friends of a lady who loved Afghan coats, and, you know, you always knew when she was close by. Um, Well, we hear that John the Baptist was um, baptizing, and his coat was camel hair. Well, Afghans are made of sheep or goat, but camel, I would have imagined, is just one stage further on that smelly line. So... The other thing that John the Baptist liked to do was spend a lot of time in water, baptizing and dunking people in camel hair, coatings, and oh. So I would imagine that John was quite an interesting character. I mean, I'm thinking too that he he didn't have the benefit of these modern grooming salons that you men can go to. I've seen them on the high street in London. You, You can go in and you can do what us women have been doing for years, have a complete makeover. He didn't have the benefit of that. I mean, he didn't even have a razor, probably, so I'd imagine he had this beard, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Um, What's that going to lead to? Well, it wouldn't have been in a jar, would it? And he could take it out with those little neat honey spoons. No, he probably was breaking a honeycomb and trying to eat it with the beard and the locust wings that didn't fit. Oh, gosh. I mean, it must have been quite interesting being baptized by John, I would imagine. And Jesus is contrasting these, the, the two of them, really, isn't he? He's saying, you know, we sang a, a, a song for you. What, how is it worded? I've put, got, got the thing here. We sang a flute for you, played a flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. John was the dirge, wasn't he? Calling for people to repent. And then Jesus comes in onto the scene, and he is the favorite guest at every wedding. He turns your water into the most exquisite wine, and it's in abundance. He's great at picnics too. Feeds 5,000 with bits left over and 4,000 on another occasion. He walks on water. He heals all the sick. And we have these two completely contrasting ministries. And what the Lord spoke to me about it was, 
joking apart, is that the body is full of, the body of Christ is full of diversity. We're all really different, okay? We've got different emphases, we've grown up in different families, and that has influenced us and changed us. And we're all slightly different, and we should celebrate that diversity. We shouldn't be sort of looking at somebody else and thinking, I want to be like them or I should be like them, because we've all got a message. We've all got something in our lives and the way that we express Jesus that is going to relate to somebody. So celebrate your diversity today and um, see how God wants you to express his love in this world. It says here, wisdom is justified by all her children. And the Amplified unpacks that for us and said, wisdom is vindicated, is shown to be right by her children, by our lifestyle, by our moral character, by our good deeds. And so all of those things we will have in common, but how we express them in Jesus is going to be different. So celebrate your expression of him today. Okay. Going back to John the Baptist, so I'm, I'm going back up to the top of the page now and, and, and having a look at him. So when we read this passage, it's not clear from Luke that actually John was in prison. There's a parallel passage in Matthew 11, and that clearly says that John was in prison. And the reason for that was that Herod had put him there because he preached an uncomfortable message to Herod. Herod had gone over to Rome to visit his brother Philip, and in visiting, um, he brought back home from Rome more than souvenirs, he brought back Philip's wife. And so um, John was now living with Philip's wife, Herodias, as his own wife. And John, John had denounced um, Herod and told him that, you know, this was a sin and he shouldn't be doing it. And so John had been put in prison by Herod. And we don't know how long John had been in prison, but obviously prisons in those days were even worse than the prisons in our day. So John was obviously living, no, he wasn't living in four-star accommodation. And so he sends um, a message to Jesus and he calls his disciples and says to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Now this, if you think about it, is an absolutely incredible question that he is asking. This is the man who was called from his mother's womb and anointed in his mother's womb to have this message prepare the way of the Lord from Isaiah 40. He was the man who understood that Jesus is the Lamb of God, John 1, who takes away the sin of the world. He had a revelation of Jesus's purpose to come and to take away the sin of the world. He saw the Spirit descend on Jesus in a bodily form and he said, this is the Son of God. So he didn't just understand his purpose, he understood who he was. And yet, this man is sending a message to Jesus to say, are you the Messiah, or should we wait for another? And what struck me as I looked at this is that any of us can doubt. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter how many revelations or mountaintop experiences we've had with God, we can all doubt and I want to look today at how Jesus handled that moment of crisis for John. Okay, so we're going to look at what Jesus did. And 
I first of all want to think about why was John in that point of crisis? Now, some of you might think, and it might be true, that John was uncomfortable with his present conditions, that he'd been dragged down physically and mentally by living in a prison. And I think that might be part of it. But remember, John is used to living in austere and uncomfortable surroundings with his desert dwelling place with his locusts and wild honey and all the things we've already discussed. So I think for John it was a much deeper question. And when we look back at what John was preaching, he was actually preaching the wrath of God. He was preaching a hard message of repentance and calling people um, to get right with God, which of course is is right and true and, and what we need to do too. But he was talking about the vengeance of God and the wrath of God. He said to the, about the Sadducees and the Pharisees that you are vipers, you're fleeing the wrath to come. And then in Matthew 3, we hear this recorded of describing his ministry. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John was seeing you know, something that is going to happen. I mean, we've already talked this morning about us being in a a period of grace and favor, but it's almost as if John had fast-forwarded to the future, which I will be talking about later. He was talking about the wrath and the vengeance of God being meted out on on the world. And, of course, he was in prison, and he, he wasn't seeing any of that happening. He was just hearing all these reports of people getting healed. And, you know, I was thinking of us, us all as well. This, John was thinking, this isn't the Jesus that I thought he was. And we can have that question too sometimes when things aren't happening in our lives, when things are slow to develop. We can be despondent, depressed. We can even doubt God. And what's the answer when we get in those fixes, when we get in those crises? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus didn't answer the disciples straight away. If you read Matthew's account and Luke's account, there's this sense of slight delay. It says, in that hour, so, you know, he's taking his time here is Jesus. He healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many that were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, the disciples, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And that word offended means tripped up by me or caused to stumble by me. And then the disciples leave the situation and go back with this message to John. And then Jesus goes on to say, that John is the greatest man ever born of a woman. He couldn't be born again yet. He couldn't be born of spirit, okay? Thanks, Dave, for that revelation yesterday as we were walking. (laughs) You know, because he was born only of woman. We're born again of spirit as well. Um, So he said, Jesus said, didn't he, that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. But prior to that event being able to happen, John, Jesus said, John is the greatest man that ever lived. 
That means he was greater than Abraham. He was greater than Moses. All these amazing people of the Old Testament, of David, Isaiah, and all the other prophets. But Jesus didn't say that while the disciples were there of John. And you'd sort of think to yourself, well, wouldn't that have been a great thing for John to hear? That he was like the greatest bloke that had ever lived? I think I would be encouraged to hear that. Um, you know, but Jesus didn't mention all of that. He didn't mention a eulogy about John to the disciples. Instead, he sends him back with a list of healings. He sends him back with detailed healings. The blind see, the, day, the lame walk, the deaf hear, you know, the dead are raised. And the reason he did that is because he knew that John knew his Bible. And in Isaiah, there are three messianic passages that talk about Jesus and what he was going to do. And I've got them for you here, and we're going to look at them one by one. So Isaiah 29, it says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. No mention of judgment in this passage. And Isaiah 35, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And finally, um, chapter 61, which I smiled when David brought this um, um, song for us this morning because it's exactly what Jesus said in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Full stop. And yet, as you can see from the overhead, the next line is, and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus didn't say that because we're not in that period yet. And I think for John, this was a problem for him and he hadn't quite got it sorted in our head. And I think sometimes we read the word of God and we haven't quite got things sorted in our head. And Jesus was taking John back to the scriptures yeah, so I think Jesus was basically giving this message to John, you know, I am the Messiah, but these are the things that will accompany the visit of the Messiah. We are in the period of grace and favor, hallelujah. You know, this is the time when Jesus wants to, as Dave has already said, did you see my message before you came? Um, Dave's already said, Jesus wants to pour out his love and grace into our lives. He wants to heal us physically or mentally or through hurt and stuff we've been through. He wants to help us in every possible way. As Lydia said last week, he's got the heart of compassion and love towards us. Praise God we're in this period of grace. But, you know, even the disciples got it wrong, and there are some Christians that get this wrong um, today in the world and think God is out there, you know, doing us all in. 
the, the, the disciples said, uh, when the people of Samaria, do you remember this account? The people of some of the villages of Samaria, they didn't accept Jesus' message. And so the disciples said, should we call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? Boing. <laughs> um, and Jesus said, um, he turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And we heard that, didn't we? In the angel message, when Jesus was born, the shepherd said to the, um, the angel said to the shepherds, right way round, um, peace on earth, good will towards men. That is God's message. This is the time we live in, folks. We're very privileged. We're living in the time of good will toward men. This isn't the time for the vengeance of God to be poured out. We're in a period of grace, and we're in a period of favor. But I have to tell you, to be honest to the word of God, that there is going to be a time of vengeance. There is going to be a time when Jesus comes back again, when he won't come back um, with the grace and favor message. He will be coming back to judge the living and those that have died. And all of us need to check that we are going to escape the wrath that is to come. There is going to be a period of wrath on this earth. Um, the earth is going to be burnt up by fire eventually. And, you know, we need to be sure where we're going. Um, how do we know how to escape the wrath to come? Well, the Bible's full of answers to that question, but there's a very succinct one at the end of John chapter 3. And it's actually John the Baptist speaking again. And John said this, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. So as we've been singing, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He is the man, um, God-man, that you need to sort out who he is. What does it mean to believe on him? Well, it means to do like John the Baptist and recognize that he came to the earth to die on a cross for your sin and mine something that we couldn't do. He's the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the lamb that is fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies and the Old Testament practice of, of killing a perfect lamb once a year to cover for the sins of the nation. Jesus is the perfect lamb who has come to die for you and for me. And so we have to recognize he's the son of God. We have to recognize that his death alone is enough. We don't have to do stuff anymore. We don't have to try to get right with God. We have to receive it as a free gift from him, a gift of righteousness um, that is his gift to us. And then we have to believe that God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. And then we have to think about laying our lives down now so that he can be Lord of our lives. I want you to think about all of those things while I finish off this message because I'm going to be praying a prayer for you to come into the kingdom if you feel that you want to sort your life out with God today. So coming back to John the Baptist, why did Jesus not just tell him, 
I'm the Messiah, you're a great fellow, move on. Okay? He didn't say that. He didn't give him a straight answer. It's like the perfect politician's answer, wasn't it? He just sent him back to read something or to think about something. And the reason for this is because the word of God is absolutely central to our victorious Christian walk. And Jesus was sending John back into the word of God. I'm going to read a few scriptures about the word of God to you. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. That word entrance means the unfolding, the disclosure of your word. And then earlier in Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So when we read the word of God, it doesn't just show us where we are, it's a lamp to our feet, but it shows us where to go. It's a light to our path. Matthew says, heaven and earth will pass away. Well, Jesus said it, but Matthew recorded it. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. There's something about the word of God. It's not like any other book. It's eternal. We know from... Genesis 1 and John 1. Jesus is the word made flesh. So somehow the Bible, the written word of God, is sort of Jesus on the page. And then finally, John 6, 63, Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word of God isn't just an empty, empty vessel. It's not just like reading any other book. It's actually empowered by the Holy Ghost to bring life to you and to me. So Jesus was asking John to get back into the scriptures and to find out where he'd misunderstood. And I think for us, if we're not seeing a breakthrough in, in an area of our lives or we're struggling with something, we're struggling with depression or we're struggling finding a job or in relationships, whatever it is, the Bible always has something to say in all of our human conditions. We just need to find the key. We need to find the right verse. John, Jesus gave John the right verses to read. And you know, I would just encourage all of us to just just go back to the word of God if you're struggling in an area. You know, it's not wrong to go and talk to other Christians, particularly Christians who have perhaps overcome in that area themselves. You know, perhaps get them to help you find the right scriptures that can help you in to see your breakthrough. I'm just going to, I'm nearly at the end of my message and I'm just going to stop at this point and first of all, pray for us all in this area. So I'm going to pray for any who are discouraged today, like John, and want to see a breakthrough. So join with me as we pray. Father God, we just pray together for people in this room and people who are listening online, Father God, anybody who is feeling discouraged as John the Baptist was discouraged, anybody who is needing a breakthrough in their lives in any area. Father, we thank you. You are the great heavenly Father God that you have, your love for us is so strong and powerful and you have that love and power available to each one of us. You say in 
your word that the Holy Ghost lives in us and he brings revelation, light and knowledge to us as we read the word of God. So I pray for everybody here and I pray for everybody online and I pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Father, send the light of your understanding to each individual, into each situation, Father God, to bring revelation knowledge that is going to unlock those keys for those people. Father, bring other Christians into their lives, Lord God, who are going to help them and draw them into victory and help them along that road of faith. Father, we thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. We thank you all the promises of God are yea and amen in Jesus. And we celebrate now your victory before we see it. Amen. Okay, so I'm now going to pray for anyone who um, wants to ensure that they are going to escape the wrath to come. As I said, we need to recognize who Jesus is. And I've got a prayer up here that you can pray with me if you're ready to do that. So remember, God is not bound by time or space. So he can come right into your living room now if you're praying this prayer. He can be as real to you as he is to us here in this this service this morning. So just open up your heart to him because you're about to encounter the living God. Heavenly Father, I recognize before you a holy God that I do not measure up in what I think, what I say, or what I do. Thank you for sending Jesus to die the death that I deserved. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I turn my life over to you. Forgive me because of Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that my relationship with you can be restored. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, all of heaven heard and God will have come into your heart. He will have put his deposit of his Holy Spirit deep inside you. Your your spirit man will be made alive, will have been made alive by the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus comes back, then you will not have um, the, the, you will avoid the wrath to come because God's people will not be subject to that wrath because he has already saved us and we have passed from death to life. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into his kingdom. So welcome to the family. Okay, if you... Um, can perhaps write to us at Hope Church. We'd love to hear from you. It's on the screen there. We're at thehope.church. Please write to us and tell us what's happened to you and we can send you some interesting and helpful um, booklets and things to help you. Um, Let's just close the service. Father God, we thank you for all that you've done for us here today. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, which transcends space and time and speaks to us right now as relevant today as it ever was. Father, we thank you that your word is living and active and it can sort of sort us out in any situation we find ourselves. Give us revelation knowledge as we've already prayed, Father God, especially this coming week. And I pray your blessing of peace, shalom peace on the people here and everyone watching. Thank you, Father. Amen.